with you. It's, uh, this is a place where I grew up, so some of you know that and some of you may not, but it's always good to be back with you again. I'm going to be talking about anticipation um, this morning, but uh, I'd like to begin by reading our text. It's from Mark 1. Um, it's going to be up on the screen, so it'll make it easy for you. Mark 1, uh, verses 1 through 8. <coughs> the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah, the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight the paths for him. And so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to see him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Got to have my notes here with me. <laughs> Every year about this time, I get antsy. Actually, it starts in October or something like that, but it's not a feeling that easily goes away. No, it's not the start of Christmas music or... Black Friday deals or anything like that. It's not even Thanksgiving dinner. It's pheasant hunting. I love to pheasant hunt. It's gripping. The excitement is, is, is gripping. Uh, I love it so much. Um, and now that I live in Michigan, I have to wait even longer to start my hunting season, and I've, get a sh I've got a shorter window to hunt. So all this past week I've been hunting with family and, and friends, and, um, and so I'm thankful for, for the them taking me out to hunt. Um, but I crave it, and I an anticipate it every year. I love it because it's, it's exciting, and even if we don't see any birds, the, the excitement of pheasant hunting is, is what keeps me coming back. Um, knowing that a bird can fly up at any moment is really exciting, even having to step on them at, at times. I had it yesterday where I, I stepped with my left foot into this pile of tall grass and a bird flew out right in front of me. So it's, it scares me a little bit uh, every time. And the first bird of the season always gets me like that. I, I jump a little bit higher than all the rest of the times. Um, but uh, Rod DeBoer actually had some uh, a bit of wisdom for me. And I was talking about how, you know, if we were guaranteed birds on this next, this next uh, piece of land, then I'd like to keep going. And he's like, Matt, if, if we were guaranteed birds, it wouldn't be called hunting. It'd be called shooting. <laughs> so hunting involves anticipation. You don't know if you're going to get anything. Anticipation. Birthdays carry a lot of anticipation as well. 
My brother Joel had a birthday last week, Saturday, and he turned 13. I'm not sure if he had a surprise birthday party or not, but I know there was a surprise birthday party. I got an email for, uh, I think it was Scott Slice, maybe? Um, he had a surprise birthday party. So it's, it's not going to be too difficult for you to imagine with me what's involved in a surprise birthday party. It's a group of people gathered together to celebrate the life of, of someone, to surprise them. There's cake, maybe streamers, noisemakers, party hats, and of course, presents. But I think the most profound part of a surprise birthday party is not felt by the person who's being surprised, but by those people waiting, anticipating. It's the feeling of trying to keep quiet, hiding behind the couch, crouched down, and you can hear your heart pounding in your ears, and you wait. The countdown. Three, two, one. Surprise! And then the surprise is over. The anticipation is gone. Unless, of course, you've surprised the wrong person. It's happened before. Anticipation is defined as an emotion involving pleasure, excitement, and sometimes anxiety when considering some expected or longed-for good event. It's a strong emotion and something probably you experience on some level every day. John, John the Baptist, in our, in our text, was living in that daily anticipation as well. The text says he came baptizing and preaching, and all the people went out to see him. All the people, the whole Judean countryside, all the people from Jerusalem. I, I don't think all the people from Jerusalem came out to see him, but our author Mark uses this word to, to illustrate how popular John the Baptist was. But why? Even though John uh, was perhaps a stinky dude, lived out in the desert, wore camel's hair clothes, a leather belt, ate bugs and washed it all down with wild honey. I don't know, even if he was like ruggedly good looking or something, I, I don't think he would be the most popular guy in, in his time. But he reminded them of Elijah. And he had, a st he had something few people could ignore. He had a story filled with anticipation. He had a story that people hungered for, even if the main character was a mystery. Imagine that, a story with no real main character. People were willing to listen, even if the main character was a mystery. Perhaps that's why they were so riveted, but I don't know, that's a, that's a pretty big problem. If you have a story with no real main character, it doesn't seem to really make sense. Having a character that only exists behind the foggy statement of, after me will come one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. That's gutsy, and yet thrilling. Keeps people coming back for more. John has a mission, but not a lot to point to. The character he's trying to explain is too wonderful and too mysterious to describe. There's cause for excitement, but they know nothing about the main character yet. 
This kind of reminded me of a, of a part in uh, a modern story uh, told by C.S. Lewis in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, at this part in the story, uh, the children had just met the beaver in the forest, and the beaver had beckoned them to, to come closer so he could tell them this story. Listen to this part of the story as I read it to you. Then, signaling to the children to stand as close around it, that is the beaver, as they possibly could, so that their faces were actually tickled by his whiskers. It added in a slow whisper, They say Aslan is on the move, perhaps already landed. And now a very curious thing happened. None of the children knew who Aslan was any more than you do, but the moment the beaver had spoken these words, everyone felt quite different. Perhaps it has some sometimes happened to you in a dream that someone says something which you don't understand, but in the dream it feels as if it had some enormous meaning, either a terrifying one which turns the whole dream into a nightmare, or else a lovely meaning, too lovely to put into words, which makes the dream so beautiful you remember it all your life and are always wishing you could get into that dream again. It was like that now. At the name of Aslan, each of the children felt something jump on his inside. Edmund felt a sensation of mysterious horror. Peter felt suddenly brave and adventurous. Susan felt as if some delicious smell or a piece of delightful music had just floated by her. And Lucy got the feeling you have when you wake up in the morning and realize it's the beginning of holidays or the beginning of summer. Sometimes stories grip us like that and get us so wrapped up that we feel the way Peter, Edmund, Lucy, and Susan did. The excitement and the mystery get us all wrapped up, but that's also the trouble. We don't really know the character of Aslan or, or we don't really feel like we've got the full character understood. We feel like it, he should be good, but we don't really have anything to point to or to imagine in the mind's eye. Later on in the story, uh, the, the in, the, in the book, uh, the children are trying to understand the character of Aslan, and Lucy says, then he isn't safe? Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. The character of Aslan is a, a little bit of a mystery to the beaver family too, but they can't stop telling the story. Even though they don't have it all figured out, they can't stop telling the story or anticipating the story. There's got to be something good. Aslan has, has already landed. Maybe he's even on the move. We've got to have hope. We've, we've got to live in this anticipation. And they're balancing the trouble of not knowing the full character with the delight of the meaning of the story. That's what John is doing too. He's balancing the trouble of this story, of this not knowing the full character of King with the delight and the meaning of the story. He doesn't have it all figured out yet, but he can't stop telling the story. In fact, it's built right into the Greek text. The word euangelion in the Greek means good news. 
but, uh, and John is, is giddy with excitement and can hardly wait to celebrate it. But the word gospel in that time had a deeply political meaning, as political as Republican and Democrat today. For them, it was, the gospel wasn't associated with, with Jesus yet. It was, John, or Mark was using this word for the very first time for Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. It's, it's introduced here in, in Mark's gospel. The bringing of the good news was tied to battle terms. It was understood that that uh, a, it was a battle between a current evil regime and a good king challenging that regime. The good news then came on the feet of a messenger, someone going from village to village, to village shouting, the good king has won, the old king has lost, there's going to be a new way of doing things in our town, the new king is coming to reign, a king who seeks justice, loves mercy, mercy, and walks humbly with our God. Then, as if John puts the crown on the king himself, he says, I baptize you with water, but he is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. My story pales in comparison to his. And as John had indicated, Jesus, the king, is good. No one ever said anything about safe, but he's good. Jesus flipped over the, temp the tables in the temple. He talked to people that no one else was willing to talk to. He predicted mysteriously his own death and resurrection. These things don't seem safe to, to anyone. But as we later see, they're good things, very good things. And today we celebrate the goodness of the king. In fact, we're celebrating the anticipation in the story of the good king in three ways today. We tell the story and we celebrate in anticipation with a profession of faith, profession in Jesus Christ. The bringing of, uh, the beginning of Advent. Today is the first Sunday in Advent. And the celebrating of the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist, as it's sometimes called, perhaps maybe more appropriately this time called the Eucharist, because Eucharist means Thanksgiving. We wait, hopefully, for the good king. It's a story of waiting and telling, with the public profession of faith of Joel, bringing, Joel is bringing the good news of the king, and anyone who has publicly professed their faith is charged with this telling of the story. Tell it, but don't steal the wonder and the mystery from the story. You don't have to have it all figured out. That's the beauty of it. John didn't have it all figured out either. He was, he was saying, there's going to be one coming after me who's going to be greater than I am. And we don't have to have it all figured out. I'm sure Joel doesn't have it figured out. I'm sure the oldest person in this room can tell you that they don't have it all figured out yet either. So we tell the story even though we don't have it all figured out. Today is the first Sunday in Advent as well, where we begin to tell the story of the expected Messiah. We tell this story every year, and we get 
excited about it. We have four weeks of, of Advent and, and remembering the story before Christmas comes, and we get excited, and we get all giddy with excitement. And, and then we can continue to tell the story in Jesus of God made man. We eagerly await the king of the world, and we celebrate his coming because if he hadn't come as a human to die for our sins, we would really have no future. And the Lord's Supper is the, the lasting sign and seal given to us by Jesus himself. Jesus said, take this, this bread and this cup, and every time you remember me, have this meal. It's like he knew we would have trouble with anticipation, living in this time of anticipation. So he gave, gave us these physical signs and these ways to remember him and profession of faith and, and Advent and, and the Lord's Supper and later on we're going to say the Apostles' Creed together. These are things that we can, we're reminded of Jesus and we live in anticipation. But Jesus in the Lord's Supper said, take these things and every time, these are things that you can hold on to, hold in your hands and roll around in your mouth and experience with your senses. It's very real and it's very important. Anticipation, living in anticipation is going to be tough, I know, but it's important. Keep telling the story. Don't stop. So tell the story, friends. Balance the, the feeling of hiding behind the couch in anticipation for the, for the birthday boy or girl with the sure faith that we have in the saving promise of Jesus Christ died and risen again. Live in the anticipation. Love to tell the story, even though you don't have it all figured out yet. Will you pray with me? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we come before you today in anticipation. We live in this anticipation, and sometimes it's difficult. John had this, and, and we continue to, to live in this time of not really having much to point to by way of a physical reminder. But, but Lord, we, we thank you for these physical things that you have given to us to point to you and to tell the story. We thank you for your promise to us. We thank you for Jesus Christ who has come to save the whole world. We ask that in our telling we may be faithful and we may glorify you in all that we do. All this we ask in your son's name.